Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. Today, it's What Are You Listening To? A segment we do occasionally so we can introduce new bands that we've been listening to and that we think you should too. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let's ask each other, what are you listening to? Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Today we are doing a What Are You Listening To episode, a, a recurring episode we do every so often where we check in and, and you know, just refresh, see what uh, we're listening to album and artist-wise and why you should be listening to it as well. Some recommendations from Brother, Brother, Brother. So you want to just jump in? Sounds good. Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, Wyndham, why don't you kick this round off? Um, we've, uh, we've had, I guess this is our third installation now. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, let's give you a chance to, um, to tell us what you've been listening to in the last uh, couple of months. Well, thank you for asking. Um, I have uh, had on heavy rotation an album that uh, I was a little late to, an album that came out this spring, uh, but is I just uh, I saw them last week, and I think they're fantastic. A uh, band from Louisville, Kentucky called White Reaper, and a little album um, that is very demurely titled uh, "The World's." Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the world's best American band. Um, White Reaper, five piece from Louisville, had a, a prior album, um, and uh, which was kind of uh, garagey and a little bit more raw. This album is a big. Uh, I like to call it a big dumb rock album done by very clever people because it, it. I think the songs are super catchy. I like uh, everything about the band. It's 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 um, you know it's a composite of a million different things you've heard before. I was saying earlier if you ran a uh, twenty three and me on this band, uh, the DNA, the 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 number of fathers that this band has is is pretty remarkable. Um, you know, I mean, you're talking everyone from ACDC and Thin Lizzy, Mata Hoople, all the glam rock bands, but also, you know, bands like... I bet as remarkable as the number of children that were spawned by the, uh, by the <laughs> by godfathers those of glam rock, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... There's Bowie, but it's not as sort of... Um, I get a lot of like T Rex, like those uh, those big, like chugging, crunchy guitar riffs and stuff like completely. that. Completely. you know... Yeah. I was thinking, you There's know, some I mean, 70s pop too, I think, just some straight yeah. up like bubblegum pop on there. Totally. There's the Todd Rundgren kind of thing. I mean, what it is, is they're just, I mean, what it boils down to is that they write really tight, good rock songs. And so, I mean, they're sort of more contemporary, you know, comps would be people like, you know, uh, Andrew W.K. or, or uh, Urge Overkill, which goes back a ways, but Ted Leo and the Pharmacist, people who, you know, I, I would say the whole steady musically is very comparable. And these two bands, I mean, this is basically a lot like Boys and Girls in America, but they diverge 100% um, at the vocals and uh, lyrics department where, uh, you know, these guys write a great riff and, and uh, top it off on a, on a song like The Stack with a, with a line like, if you make the girls dance, the boys will dance with them, which is fucking brilliant. 
and dumb all at once. Um, but it's what I like about this album so much. It's, um, you know, it is uh, just purely enjoyable. And there's nothing wrong with that. We saw him, or I saw him a couple, um, like I said, a week and a half ago. And, and you know, they look like they're having as good a time as it sounds like they're having. So I, you know, I appreciate that, you know, level of joy at the moment. Um I guess. Well, let's, let's go ahead. Talk about their their look for a minute. I mean, first of all, these guys they they definitely have um, a, a ton of appeal. Like visually, I think they're they're a lot of fun. And um, you know, I, I, in in some respects, like I think that their cues as um, as I'm hearing you mention this, like it, they benefit a little bit from. Um, you know the fact that they've clearly been spinning uh, '70s records in their in their you know high school in high school basements for for years before uh, before conceiving maybe of the band and and you know um, really pulling this whole thing off. Um, you know that that being from a place that isn't necessarily considered like um, uh, 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 or isn't isn't synonymous with sort of musical mecca at the moment. Um, and Louisville is you know potentially uh, it gives you a little bit more. Um, more latitude to, to listen to the sort of like rootsier rock that frankly everybody's listening to, um, you know, across the country. It's uh, it's got a certain traditional quality to it. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I think, um, you know, and I think I, like I said before, when we talked about disco, um, dire political times makes for very, very celebratory music a lot of the time. I mean, you that you know, there hasn't been a moment as, um, you know, that felt as apocalyptic as this since I remember the late 70s when you had the hostages and the Three Mile Island and, and you know, everything felt like it was falling apart. Double-digit inflation. Double-digit yeah. inflation, you know, wait in line for gas. I mean, everything that kind of came down in the 70s. And, you know, you got, from that, you got punk rock and disco. Um, you know, this- I remember you making this point during when we were talking about American Dream as well, um, and and sort of saying that like there was a part of you that that felt maybe like you were actually hoping that LCD Sound System made its party record. sort of most fun record yeah. ever, <laughs> as opposed to making its darkest More and sort of most yeah. complicated. And I think that's a thing. I mean, I, I, you know, I know, I know, American Dream has had a has had a very healthy life. It's and it's a very well regarded record, and we're about to hear a lot about it on end of year lists. But I, you know, I I know you listen to it a fair amount on, but I I didn't feel compelled to listen to it as much because um, you want it, to escape. Yeah, I kind of want to. I kind of want to listen to somebody who doesn't want to keep echoing back the the bad, you know, the negative stuff that that I keep hearing about every day in my, you know. A dinner party. Music serves different purposes. There's there is an escapist purpose, but there's also you know sometimes it's uh, the self-flagellation can be useful. You oh, know? absolutely. It, it all goes down to why people listen. But so. I mean, you know, I, I'm re, you know I'm I and I'm, believe me, I'm not um, you know I'm not listening to parallel lines on on auto reverse just because you know it's a shitty time. But I do welcome uh, the jolt of excitement and frivolousness that comes with an album like this. And as I said, it came out, I think, in April. Um, I didn't really adopt it until September, but it's been on heavy rotation for me. I've turned a lot of people on to it, and I really like it. One other thing, too, just to throw in there about this band and this album, it's, it's a big leap forward compared to their last record, uh, White Reaper 
Does It Again, I believe, yeah. was the, the yeah. first let's, album. Let's take, that and, moment, uh, let's take a moment to just reflect on how great both of those album titles exactly. are. Yeah, the they fact were that their fantastic. debut album is White Reaper Does It Again, <laughs> I loved. So. And I actually love that album. It's a, it's a straight-ahead 60s garage rock, you know, ripping album from start to finish. But I wasn't expecting this on the follow-up. And I think, you know, I was talking to Wynn. Um, we were hanging out the other night in, in your apartment in Boston. And, you know... A lot of bands, I've seen, you know, and, and throughout the years, you have this sort of resurgence of like garage rock and, and you know, 70s sort of bands that kind of take it to an, a, a different level where they're, you know, I don't want to say like playing dress up to a certain degree because a lot of these bands are great and it's great live music and, and, and a, lot, a lot of fun, but sometimes it doesn't necessarily make great album music. And, um, you know, this album in particular to me is just like, all the way through like really well done really catchy great hooks great songs it's funny i have a good friend who's you know not is is, is as big a music fan as us um he's older you know more wins age so grew up on the 70s but definitely leans toward like hard rock and, and 70s rock and even like 80s glam metal and through the record to him occasionally if i find a good rock record i'm just like hey you'll like this you know hold steady being a good example and he he was just blown away he's like oh this this is like exactly the kind of music I like to listen to. And, and so it, it's almost like they're they're doing it, you know, they're doing a, a sound. Certainly there's a lot of influence there, but I don't know, somehow they really made, you know, great songs and sort of made it their own. And I was not expecting that post, you know, the, the first record, which is, is a lot of fun and a great like sort of punky, raw um, garage band record. Yeah, it doesn't feel retro. It, it feels... Um, you know, doesn't feel it feels more timeless than it does retro. I, mean, I was about to say, yeah, timeless rather than anachronistic, or timeless rather than referential. Yeah, I, I remember sort of a band a few years ago called Free Energy uh, from Philadelphia that was sort of really because no one else does. Yeah, I mean, well, they were sort of play acting at this thing, and, and it it felt self conscious. And these guys don't feel self conscious; they feel very confident to me. And so I think they'll, you know, I think they'll continue to to go up onward and upward. Jerry, what are you listening to these days? Yeah, so um, I'm jumped into. I'm going to jump into a hip hop record that I really like, and uh, I haven't been able to say that for a while. Like I've liked singles. I've liked, you know. I mean, obviously there's like the big guys, but sort of in the underground kind of up and coming world. And, and I'm definitely not as tuned in as I once was. But um, a band that actually this is their second album of 2017, or a group, I should say. Um, Brock Hampton out of LA, um, originally founded in, in oddly San Marcos, Texas, where Texas State is. They won like a, a V Files talent, loud talent search, search 
um, consists of about, you know, I know when you always throw out the 14 member number, but it, I think the primary is around six, uh, MCs led by Kevin Abstract, Ian Simpson, and I'm not going to name them all, but these guys just have like, uh, almost Wu-Tang flow in the sense that like everybody gets their moment and, and nobody, nobody fucks up. It's, it's like every song and now I'm talking about, I'm sorry, Saturation 2 is the album, which was dropped in September. The first album was Saturation, which was dropped in March, which I'm not going to talk about. And, uh, I'm going to be willing to guess that Saturation 3 is around the corner. It's um, a trilogy, isn't it? It is. Yeah. That's what it would, I mean, so they say. And, uh, you know, a lot of it in, in sort of what I've read up on these guys is that, you know, they just sort of hit this creative energy and, and have just been nonstop creating really great uh, hip hop jams. And, and that's sort of the, the, you know, the kind of engine behind putting out three or two albums in one year and, and soon to be three. And, um, you know, it's a group that, like I said, like kind of reminds me of a, a few different things. Like reminds me of Wu-Tang, reminds me of Jurassic 5, reminds me of Odd Future, um, but these guys, you know, they have all of the sort of key elements. I couldn't tell you who is rapping when, but you know, they have sort of the straight, the straight man rapper, the kind of guy who has a falsetto and can sing. Um, they have, you know, kind of the clown and then all, all along, there's some just really good beats. And I think some of the best tracks on this album are when, you know, the beat kind of singles into a, you know, a keyboard riff or a, uh, or a single sort of like, you know, soul verse, surrounded by, you know, organ or keyboard. And some of my favorite songs on the album are definitely uh, the opener, Gummy, is fantastic. My favorite song is Sweet, all one-word titles. And uh, Junkie is another great one. So if you haven't given Brockhampton a spin, it's definitely probably the most fun I've had with a, a full hip-hop album start to finish in a while. That's awesome. Um, have you... Have you uh been listening to that one as well christian it sounds like you have a depth of knowledge on that one as well but yeah no i, I like it a lot um i actually it's funny i mean so the wu-tang comparison i think is um is uh it, you know evident right i mean that's sort of i think when when you have um hip-hop groups uh and and i distinguish groups from sort of like collectives or you know posses or like whatever the hell you want to call it but basically a group where you know not everybody has um uh, like individual or solo success independent of one another and the fact that there is a lot of time spent and of course I, I realized that that was actually Wu-Tang's end ambition but when they started you know they really were spending a ton of time together um, and so there really is a sort of chemistry there and I think you can you can definitely hear that in Brockhampton and I for for you know for what it's worth I never fully felt like I got that out of Odd Future Wolfgang Kill Them All Um OFWGKTA for short. Um, it sounds if they feel like a loose confederation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, totally. And you know, there, there was a the, the sort of creative engine was was really one or two or three guys like Earl Sweatshirt and Tyler the Creator. Um, I thought were were you know a, a big driving force there. Then you sort of had somewhere on the margins like Frank Ocean. I'm um, uh, you know was was sort of in the mix for a while before he broke out and, and went solo um so you know i think these guys though th there is a sense that like you know like a good band 
um, they they sort of have uh, have real chemistry with one another, and you know that's evident when you're when you're handing off the mic to somebody else, like like that kind of you know being able to bridge those gaps is is important. Yeah, it's really rap forward. I mean, I think that's the thing that really impressed me about this record is you know there's a lot of sort of de-emphasis on flow these days, and and kind of rap skills and i think these guys are just the opposite it's kind of i wouldn't say it's old school by any means i mean i think it it sounds very modern to me and 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 very fresh but there is like a uh just an emphasis on on really good emceeing really good rhyming and and flow and and all of them have their kind of part i mean there's some swagger here i mean there's some aggression but there's also some fun and you know kind of clowning around as well um and some smart lyrics to to your point i mean we live in an era where Lil Yachty was, I think, the first person in history to refuse to freestyle right. um, on Hot 97. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his answer was just like, I don't do that. Yeah. Like, which is, and he wasn't embarrassed. He was just like, I don't really what I do. know how to, yeah, that's not my thing. Yeah. Um, which is kind of shocking and, and jaw-dropping, but he's like, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and, like, make a fool of myself. You know, you guys like my music, or don't you? And I mean, you know, fair enough. Yeah, I'm shifting the paradigm so that's no longer the yardstick we're using. Strip down to my skin and my bones. I love huskies, but I feel like a wolf. In a pack, but I feel all alone. I'm scatterbrained, man. Better off for the clone. And take highs upon me with race eyes doing weird shit. Like, this will make the bile pick. Round up, hit Zags, bees, get the wing tings real quick. Bills still stacking to the ceiling. What you mean it ain't working? What you mean you ain't find yourself? What you mean you ain't got no cash? I got a little bit. What you mean? What you mean? Shouldn't your pockets be big just like a fat chick? Shouldn't your mama be done paying the house up? Shouldn't you have a real big ass ego? Shouldn't these girls be flocking just like seagulls? Just to me, I like a risk. Think I need someone who can handle it. Ice on my bars and my wrist is fixed. I don't need nobody trying to give me shit. Just to me, I like a risk. Think I need someone who can handle it. Some of bars in my wrist is fixed. I don't need nobody trying to give me shit. The original licks, flick your T.I. in the yoke. Simmons, he breaking the moat. Mentally master with no limits. And making them say, huh? They worshiping, I force viciously. Watching the floor tipping. Your temple of authenticity. Often they say I'm off it. I offer my cross sympathy. They forgot what we on. I remind them of hostility. High diggity damn. Everyone on the scams. Gotta cover your clams and take another glance. Running a clinic, no scans. Ain't no one claiming your mans. It's all pertaining to plan. Call me the architect Lap you in a UFO I haven't started yet Still gotta figure out Exactly where to park it at Moses with a pen Each line and notion I can part it at But that's too deep So that said um, We've had two albums That are kind of uh, Comfortably Throwback-ish um, But looking forward uh, Are you gonna complete The Holy Trinity here Christian What are you listening to? Yeah, I'm so I'm super excited to talk about this band. Um, they're called Nervous Dater, um, and they're from from Brooklyn. Um, I'm actually I'm a pretty big fan of that name. And it's uh, it's Rachel Leitner is the principal songwriter, uh, vocalist, and a guitarist. And then Kevin Cunningham, Andrew Getz, and uh, Jan Heenan. Um, and you know this is a, a really sort of lyrically sharp, anxious indie rock uh, that's that's sort of laced I think with the right amount of pop hooks and and garage rock swag um, or swagger I should say 
you know, Rachel Leitner, I think, is one of the best up-and-coming lyricists I've heard in a while. Um, and I, I put her, like, immediately in the camp of, of sort of Sadie Dupuy and, and Will Toledo, um, the, the lead singers of um, Speedy Ortiz and, uh, and Car Seat Headrest, respectively. Um, but on this album, uh, Rachel Leitner sort of tells you immediately that I think, you know, she's anxious. Um, and on the opener, Bad Spanish, um, uh, she begins by singing, I mean, the, the opening lyrics of the album are, are I keep my mouth shut because I don't deserve anything, feeling like a fraud at my job because I faked my way into every good thing that's happened to me. Um, and I think, you know, that theme of self-doubt is, is everywhere and sort of constantly being um, being teased out here and, and related through these sort of neatly packaged and, and really relatable little vignettes. Um, I think it's especially resonant for folks in their 20s and 30s probably, um, you know, is, is this idea that, that everybody else has their shit together and not you. Um, at least that that's true for me. And, you know, I think that's probably something that continues on for the rest oh, of no, your that's, life. That's, you say, that's generational. That just, I yeah, mean, it's I passed, that's the one thing we can pass down is self-doubt, you know. It's, a, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, never trust anybody who thinks they they know what they're doing at the age of 23. It's a, that person's been loved too much. Yeah, exactly. Um, wasn't wasn't raised uh, by by you know absentee parents and television, as you always say. Um, but uh, but but I think um, what separates Leitner's uh, lyrics here, in, in my opinion, is is just a really biting sense of humor, um, and also like I think a really sort of playful, jangly delivery that that injects this like cool shot of. Um, of sort of levity in otherwise pretty unhappy um, thoughts across the board. Um, so the opening lines of the title track on, on this album, uh, Don't Be a Stranger, um, actually kind of cracked me up, so let's let's give that a listen. There was a man reading self-help books on a crowded subway train And as I stared at the floor I thought it must be nice To have that kind of mind frame So that was Don't Be a Stranger. And, you know, this idea of being so tripped up by your thoughts that you actually admire the confidence of a guy reading self-help books on the subway is uh, is really clever. And, you know, it, it does have kind of a Courtney Barnett feel to it, um, as, as you pointed out, Wyndham. Um, you know, the, I think the lyrical reference points for, for Nervous Data are, are, like as I said, Speedy Ortiz and Car Seat Headrest. So Sadie Dupuy and Will Toledo and, and Rachel Leitner all have this sort of common subject, which is self-doubt uh, but, um, but they also all sort of engage in this self-effacing sense of humor. 
Um, and I think the case in point there is that they're about us on Bandclamp declares Nervous Data the band equivalent of a cleaning product commercial when the grime gets wiped away to reveal pristine tile, but we're the dirty sponge and probably drunk. Um, but, uh, you know, I think musically anyway, this, this thing grabbed me the way that Level Up did last year, and you heard me talk forever about that. Um, about that record, but, you know, it really is because I love its DNA, and I can suss out a bunch of the, the reference points that, that I really like. So it's got these cool sort of twisting guitar melodies and, you know, in the hooks, which are reminiscent of um, bands like Level Up or To Kick It Back a Generation, Built to Spill, Sebado, and Sleater Kinney, or, you know, it, and in addition, it's, it's, I think, really sort of well-paced and, and uh, sort of very complete um, album start to finish and you know the the pacing sort of alternates between slower tunes like serenity to this really sort of pure like distilled um uh pop punk that's in, in songs like fun dumpster so you know you ride these musical highs and lows like um uh that, that sort of mirror like the weird emotions and, and anxieties that are on display so if you guys given this a listen i think Wyndham, you said you had i've given it a single spin but i need to get better acquainted with it and uh why don't we listen to fun dumpster and, and uh, take a quick break back to the brother 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 podcast today we are doing a uh one of our recurring uh episode which is uh what are you listening to where we're introducing some new uh things that we're listening to things that you should be listening to some recommendations and jerry what uh what else are you listening to yeah so um another album that i've gotten really into recently and this is not so much a new artist take but somebody who's kind of been with us for a while now but i think really is putting out his best work um yet and and i'm really kind of excited about this record it was one that i just sort of came out I i didn't hear as much fanfare as the last two and that's jason isbell in the 400 watt band and the album is the Nashville sound. And so, um, his last two, I think he took solo credit on. It didn't have the band as the, uh, on the, um, sort of credit. Um, this is definitely with the full 400 unit, his backing band. And you can kind of hear right away, um, you know, a much fuller sound, I think Southeastern and something more free, which came out in 2013 and then 2015 definitely had a more intimate, like sort of autobiographical take, this is just great songwriting, great sort of, um, you know, I guess you call it country, rock, pop, roots, whatever you want to call it. But right off the bat, I mean, Last of My Kind, a song about, you know, sort of being a, a Southern gentleman in, in kind of the big city is, is just amazing writing, great song. Cumberland Gaps, a rocker. Tupelo kind of goes back to, to the more sort of introspective 
um, you know, song, singer songwriter style, White Man's World, which is a song that you know can can kind of skate like a fine line between, uh, and he's just so good at at really kind of tackling major subjects. Yeah, tackling major subjects, being pretty like on you know straightforward and 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 uh, you know kind of I don't want to say on the nose, but like. He just doesn't shy away from stuff, but it does it in a way that I think just has huge confidence. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, obviously has been, you know, in kind of the, the critics circles since his days with um, Drive-by. Drive-by Truckers and, you know, obviously cleaned up his act. It really reminds me a lot of um, one of my favorite singer-songwriters, Steve Earle, who kind of had some success young, um, you know, took that success to the brink of, you know, going to jail and having a lot of trouble with alcohol and, and drugs, and then sort of went on this run in the late 90s with I Feel All Right, El Corzon, Transcendental Blues that were, you know, just kind of above and beyond what, what you know, I think people thought the guy could do and, and just kind of a new confidence and new uh, sort of solid footing. And I think Isabel's in that same boat. I mean, I've loved the la- I love the last two records. I highly, highly recommend this record. And uh, again, like it's one that just sort of quietly came, or maybe not so quiet, but at least in my quiet circles kind of came out and I um, I just decided to give a spin recently and, and happy I did. I know you guys are fans, so what do you think of this record? No, I, I, I love Isbel. I think, you know, like, you know, what you said about, you know, White Man's World is sort of, you know, the same, you know, similar uh, thing he had tackled with, you know, Elephant, which was... You know, it was one of these like high wire acts where one step either side would make the entire enterprise ridiculous, not just bad, but like ludicrous. And he manages to skate and hateable. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. managed to skate that. But I think, you know, part of what we're, what we're fine, you know, what we're experiencing with Isbel right now is that, um, you know, he's putting out several great records in a row. His fan base is certainly growing. I mean, he's getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. And yet, you can't write the same article about Isbel every time a record comes out, and his story has kind of been told. So it's um, you know it, the the big splashy um, pieces in the media aren't what they were in 2013. You know when he turned a corner, um, but you know it, it's or Spoon is another example where it's like you know it's hard to write the article that says more of the same good shit. You know. Yeah, um, like, these guys keep putting out great records. <laughs> yeah, so um, you know, you're sort of uh, consistency being a bit of the enemy for him, but I do think in terms of his appeal um, and his notoriety, I um, mean, he's selling a lot bigger. You know, particularly, I mean, all over the country, um, not just in, in certain pockets. I mean, he's a he's a major draw at this point, and people love him. It's interesting you say that because from a d- I mean, I I definitely agree that you would you would get positive reviews and, and reception to to this stuff um, in any context because you know all three have, have been good, um, but I I'm not I mean I think that this actually is a very different album than his than his first two um, and you know to start with it's it's way less autobiographical um, and you know those were like songs like Elephant are really intensely uncomfortably personal mm-hmm. um and uh sort of confessional and i think w- what's interesting is like you know as he's grown as an artist and i mean i, I feel like almost 
a, a, a real window into this was, was this great interview I, I saw with him and, and George Saunders. Um, or it wasn't even an interview. It was just a conversation between the two of them that, that lasted an hour, and they were talking about you know what, what sort of drives their songwriting. Um, and I, I think it's really it's uh, it's great to see such a talented songwriter sort of step up to the plate and try and tackle bigger sort of more universal issues um, outside of, you know, their immediate life um, and not fuck it up. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times you get somebody who like, I'm making my political album. Um, And it's just like, you know, just, yeah, exactly. That can go really badly. Um, And uh, what's cool is that he's, you know, like a lot of, um, uh, a lot of, you know, the, the sort of legendary in, in country, I think there's a, there's a real, tradition of this among some of the greats um but uh you know of of stepping up and and you know eventually getting a little bit more political and being able to step back and forth between the the personal and sort of the familiar um and these sort of broader relatable themes that that affect everybody yeah and a lot of it is you know lyrically driven too i mean i I think you're right i agree with you 100 percent. like this is a a bigger sounding album to me it definitely tackles broader subjects and and even just i think having the full band again i mean he's put out albums with them in the past i think his first couple were with the 400 unit band but the last two albums were definitely sort of very insular and i mean i I think when i was talking about the last two albums i was referring to the two like to the 400 unit stuff yeah, and so, I mean, I think the the other thing that, you know, kind of um, is is nice about this is, like, any of these Americana guys, like, this, the, the, you know, the basic kind of musicality is pretty rooted, right, you know? Um, but you have this kind of flock of singer-songwriters that, you know, he's been around a little longer than, than some, but, like, you know, that, that are really just kind of putting out great stuff continuously. I mean, we obviously talk about Sturgill a lot. I think you talked about Margot Price on our last um, podcast. And I think Isbell is, is just right in that groove with, with those guys where, I mean, he's just, you know, you put on this album. Like, I was almost ready for a letdown because I thought the last two albums were so good that I was like, oh, you know, this will be decent or whatever. And it's like, oh, nope. It's it's another just like really Gem. easy to listen to great record. You know? It's funny. I've always said that the only... Um, type of music you can get old gracefully in his country. And I think that is true. I think this singer-songwriter, um, you know, with a with a country tinge, which is, you know, essentially Americana, um, you know, that is now, um, you know, the sort of cousin of country that you can get old doing that if you're if you're talented and, and clever and you know you keep writing good songs. Um, because you're right, the music the music is never what you tune into a Isbel record for. It's, uh, you know, I mean, the tunes are important because they support the, you know, the, the architecture for the, for the writing, but it's, it's really like, what is this guy, you know, what's on his mind? It's interesting.
Well, cool. Well, Christian, uh, what, uh, what, what are you, what are you listening to? Well, so I think, uh, for, for the next album here, I'm going to toss out, um, a band, uh, Bethlehem Steel, um, and, and their album Party Naked Forever. Another introspective. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, that's, that's actually, that's, that's actually exactly what I'm going to talk about. Um, you know, I think it, th- this album feels like kind of a, a plea for some kind of liberation. And I think, you know, true to their name, um, there's a real desire here to break out of like a Rust Belt confinement, um, in, in a very literal sense, uh, but also suffocating circumstances in the, in the figurative sense. Um, and, you know, I think the album title Party Naked Forever is the, I, like, I kind of like the fact that it serves as both a, a personal goal or, or like a, um, you know, a statement of purpose, but also perhaps an instruction. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it can, it can work both ways. Um, so, I mean, a lot of this stuff does deal with, uh, again, you know, some of the same things, themes as, as nervous daters. So sort of self doubt and, and, um, sort of general malaise. Uh, but, but also, you know, deals with those things with a, with a healthy dose of humor, um, with one very notable exception. Uh, and, you know, generally I would say musically the, the core difference here is that it's, it's got a sort of heavier, like chugging guitar. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to screw this name up badly, but, um, Rebecca Raskalchik's vocal, uh, vocals, um, I think are, are definitely sort of much, much bigger and sort of momentous and, and have, um, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, sort of size and power behind them. So, um, I'm a huge fan of this album. If either of you guys listen to it, I took a quick spin through it. I really like it when I've heard, um, again, it, I think it only came out. When did it come out? It was, it's pretty recent, right? Two weeks yeah, ago, two I weeks think, ago. or three maybe. And, um, yeah, I have not, but, um, sorry, when didn't mean to interrupt if you were still going, but I'm excited to Christian, you've been talking it up since you, since you started spinning it. No, I really like it. I was just curious what kind of, what level of, uh, sort of fanfare it's receiving, um, right now. Cause I have not, uh, sort of looked through and see if they're getting a lot of attention where they're, you know, where they're booking gigs, where they're hitting. They've had their, um, currently, uh, they are, oh, on the sidebar of, of stereo gums website. Um, you know, so they're, they're on the, you know, getting a heavy rotation list, um, which is great. And they stereo gum has been really tuned into their, uh, their stuff, um, since the singles started coming out. Um, but I, beyond that, I, I haven't seen a ton. So they should get more press. We should, uh, well, let's, let's we, hope we, we help. are that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, thank you. That's I'm going to check out Party Naked Forever. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm always at least uh, you know six months behind Christian's recommendation, so I'm looking forward to listening to it as well. I'm psyched I don't have to hold it like a, you know like it's a book cover on a subway.
So when, how about uh, your, uh, your next album? Who are you listening to? Well, I have been taking in a healthy dose of Alex Leahy's I Love You Like a Brother, which is, um, I guess, you know... Recently on the Seth Meyers show. Yeah, very, uh, she's kicking ass. She's, um, you know, not, it's not surprising that she's taking off um, in the States. She's a a pretty significant um, act in in her native Australia, uh, native Melbourne. But, um, you know... the inevitably the you know the press will glom on to to some sort of you know to you know try and stretch into some sort of Courtney Barnett comparison because they're both women they're both from Melbourne and they're both very literate. Alex Leahy to me sounds like a you know like much more of a pop singer um, and much more of a a rock and band, um, but her songs are punchy in the way that you know the odd Hot ninety seven in a record could be the way that, you know, something that slickly produced as like Avril Lavigne or, or it's super unapologetically pop. Yeah. I love that. I like it too. <laughs> uh, particularly because the underpinnings of it are somebody who's a very clever songwriter, um, who's sort of, you know, it's, it's uh, Trojan horsing it or, or, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing. Um, yep. you know, she's getting in some, some fairly interesting insights and some very, uh, clever wordplay under the, you know, under the guise of, of having pretty straightforward, um, you know, sort of big, uh, guitar, uh, sounds and, and, uh, just a very hooky, um, you know, fun kind of, uh, bubblegummy kind of pop music. So, so thank you, Australia, for having such sophisticated mainstream taste. Exactly. It's about time yeah. somebody did. It's smart. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a follow-up <laughs> to her, her yeah, I think it was an EP, or maybe it was a full album called B-Grade University. She had a, a hit with uh, You Don't Think You Like People Like Me. And that's sort of her, you know, her uh, go, go-to move is this sort of self-deprecating, um, you know, I'm in a relationship, I can't figure out where it's going or, you know, but it, again, in a, in a fun way and in a clever way, she, uh, you know, the first two songs, um, on the album are Every Day's the Weekend and I Love You Like a Brother, uh, which are both really catchy, um, you know, straight up kind of chant along with, you know, chant along choruses and, and, um, you know, uh, just hook laden as hell. Um, the song that I was most taken with, and we'll uh, take a quick listen to it after, is uh, the song "Perth Traumatic Stress Disorder," which alone is a great fucking title. But um, uh, you know, the line is uh, "Perth is lucky that she's pretty, otherwise I'd hate that city." And goes on to tell of a, a tale of you know heartbreak and woe that's taking place in in the city of Perth, Australia. But it. Just to, um, you know, sort of... The, the geographic wordplay there, sorry, is like, it just hit me, it sounded, it reminded me so much of the song Depressed and by Courtney Barnett. I mean, a, a very different song musically. Yeah. But, um, it was just like, wow, these are, like, really? Is this, is this, is, are there feelings about um, their relationships all tied up into, uh, into where they live? Of course. Of course. Yes. That's the backbone of every good pop song. Um but, you know, uh, that's a one that, you know, that sort of starts off with that catchy, kind of hooky, um, you know, verse. And then the, the chorus is just a full on, you know, sort of tsunami of, of you know, sort of indie pop rock. Um, and again, big guitars in the way that White Reaper uh, is playing big guitars. It just, it, you know, it, 
again, I can't really point to exactly who she sounds like or exactly what, um, you know, who the comp is, but there's a lot of people out there that have written, you know, um, you know, sort of. If you liked our suggestion from the last, I think it was last time we, we did What Are You Listening To, which was Ali Barter. Um, I do think there are a lot of similarities there. And in, in some respects, I mean, they've definitely played together a bunch. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think they are uh, being, you know, considered sort of in the same, in the same cluster. It's a blur of, oasis um, kind of thing. Artists. Yeah. Yeah. Throw downs every <laughs> I mean, I, I think too, when what you said earlier, I mean, it's funny with her and we just happened to see her live um, at Great Scott's in Boston, I think last week. Right. So, um, and she was great, but I, you know, it's, it's, it's a sound that like, it's very much like to me that California SoCal like power poppy punk, Pop um, punk. you know, like, yeah, Blink 182 and Green, Green Day, Day and yeah. bands like that, it but with lyrics that aren't dumb, you know, that are like really good. And, and, and uh, but I mean, it's, it's female like vocal super that's, clean. Yeah. That's not super sharp. I mean, the attitude is there in the lyrics. It's not there in the delivery of the, of the, of the singing. It's not through gritted teeth. Yep. She's writing, you know, upbeat pop songs that, that mask uh, a darker, um, approach to, to love and, and relationships. So good, for, cool. good so on you, here. Alex Leahy, as they say. Um, you want to take a quick break and come back? Sounds good. Right. Absolutely. Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother pod, and today we are talking about uh, what are you listening to, and uh, talking about some albums and, and artists that we're into these days. So Christian, um, what are you listening to? So uh, for my for my third contribution here, I'm going to toss out a, a band called Fitz, um, and that's F-I-T-S, not to be confused with Fitz and the Tantrums, as you just pointed out, Wyndham, um, thankfully. Uh, this is uh, This is a group put together by Nicholas Cummins um, and uh, he's you know been been playing bass and, and sort of a, 
a staple of the Brooklyn scene for, for a few years now. Um, and uh, he has just put out an album um, called All Belief is Paradise, um, which is the, the sort of the debut full length for, um, for Fitz. And, you know, this actually sort of an interesting process note here. Um, you know, I think these, these songs apparently began as um, vocal and bass loops on uh, voice memo on his phone. Um, and then uh, we're, we're sort of fleshed out through, um, you know, through recording software and, and um, you know, incorporated the help of, uh, of a few friends here. So that's um, Brian Aranti uh, and later Joe Galarraga, who um, you guys may know from, uh, from Big Ups, mm. um, who, you know, a great band. And then uh, he's, he's on guitar and then Emma Paradise, um, excuse me, Emma, Emma Whitmer um, from, from Gobinger. Um, and, uh, and these are, you know, I think you have these really tight, um, sort of, uh, almost mechanical sounding. Um, I mean, it definitely has a, a sort of power pop punk again, um, uh, tone in, in the sense that it sort of bounces along. Um, but, uh, but you have a, uh, precisely, I think because of the, the recording software, um, a sort of a, almost a tinniness to them that um that is sort of fascinating because it's juxtaposed with um songwriting momentum that's that's written by a bassist and therefore um you know extremely rhythm oriented uh so while it's probably while it sort of sounds on the higher end of the spectrum um you know the the structure is something that that sort of throws that into contrast it's a it's a cool new album it just came out uh this past friday um but but i'm really excited to to give it a few more spins it's um it comes in at 20 minutes long so uh so you can listen to it about 45 times in a day uh have you guys uh, had the chance to listen to these or i have not had the chance to listen to fits yet i um i'm going to i mean this isn't making for particularly strong yeah, uh, backing vocals to your, you, to your lead Christian. tonight but uh um i have uh the Fitz is uh, has not made it to my ears yet, so I will take your word for the fact that it's interesting, and I will listen to it immediately cool. after this. It's it's bratty and kind of like punchy, and um, you know it's got a lot of attitude, which I like a lot. So when? How about uh, how about you? What's your third installment? Well, there was a lot of controversy around this particular choice because uh, Christian turned me onto it uh, 
about you two stole weeks it ago. From him? I stole it. I listened to it <laughs> over and over again. Luckily, Christian I, has an ample collection of new music that exactly, he can draw right. from. I mean, otherwise, I, you know, I would feel badly about stealing his idea if he if it didn't require him to go to five more shows this week to find new talent. This, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so no, I the appreciate band, the excuse. The band in question and the album in question here is Sudbury, Ontario, by way of, or Toronto by way of Sudbury, Ontario's. Um, Casper Skulls and their new album Mercy Works, which is phenomenal and sounds way bigger, more confident, more seasoned than I think that oh, these folks yeah. are. Um, it's really good, it yeah. really, I mean, it, it, obviously they're from Toronto. It, I did the math actually. They're from Toronto, and and uh, I was thinking, oh, you know, I hate to make this this, you know, what? I hate you can't do math. Well, yeah, I know, but the, this is verbal <laughs> math. Um, I, I did want to like just automatically compare them to another Canadian band, but I listened to it and it, it struck me that it reminds me a lot of when Broken Social Scene came out. And then I realized that, you know, huh. the, the, the disparity in, in years, the difference in years oh, they, here, they would have grown, they could up, have grown yeah. up. They easily probably grew up on, um, you know, on the Forgotten first, the people. On the first well, few Broken Social Scene records. Okay. Yeah. If they're 10 years younger than me, which they, I mean, I think, you know, then they, Grew up on broken social scene. I mean, I grew up on broken social yeah. scene as a kid, so it's like it is kind of crazy how that's starting to happen yeah. in my own mind too. Yeah, it should. like I'm starting to see. You should really start to panic. Like that. Oh, I am. <laughs> I mean, what have you done with should, your life when you when you realize all these bands are 20 years younger than you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm realizing now that you know uh, you know I, there was that period when you you pass when you know you realize oh you know I'm the same age as professional athletes now and then. You know, you get to yep. be sort of that point where you're like, oh, well, you know, the best athletes are my age. And then it's, you know, I realize now that, you know, I'm older than I, viv- I vividly remember realizing NBA, right? that Derek Jeter was younger than me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure if it's uh, more or less depressing for you, Jeremy, that Tom Brady's your age. Yeah, he's, he's actually a year younger, so probably more depressing. But he's oh, it's all, anyways, it's all gone, back, it's all back to the, the last back year. to this music. Let's get, let's get back to the Casper Skulls. So, hey, well, uh, you know, we're going to talk. One thing anything. I wanted to note. Oh, sorry, Wyndham was just the, um, the these guys. You know, when you mentioned that they, you didn't want to compare them to other Canadian bands, uh, I, I totally get that. You don't want to pigeonhole people, but um, I would say these guys are signed with Buzz Records, who have put out. Dilly for, I mean, for. From my money, yeah, they, they've got a really killer roster. They've Dilly Dally, um, Grays, Weaves. Uh, Weaves, and, um, you know, I think that they're they're one of the sort of coolest labels right now um, in, in the great American hat. And to be honest with you, they sound like they're one of the coolest labels going on right now because, I mean, even the, even, you know, even the sort of approach, everybody seems, you know, I mean, I don't know, uh, having not been to Toronto since... Uh, Maybe 1982. Um, Since before the members of this band were born? Oh, before their parents were born, <laughs> probably. Um, but, you know, and having not been there since uh, forever, um, I don't really know what the, the club scene is like. I don't know what the live music scene is like. I do, you know, I do notice from a distance that, you know, there, there seems to be a... a uh, community that's very strong in Toronto. Um, these bands talk about each other in interviews. They're uh, very, um, you know, they're very keen to support each other, um, however possible. And, you know, that's a great, that's a great feeling in a scene when, you know, it's, it's not driven by competitiveness so much as it is, you know, um, 
a rising tide kind of attitude that, you know, the more attention that gets brought to Toronto, the more people will be listening to more of these bands. Um, so uh, that said, you know, there's a, the, the touch points are, are very obvious to me and, and they really are, you know, sort of my generation of music. It's, you know, there's, you can hear Sonic Youth very distinctly in a, in a song like Glories or, you know, you hear a strong pavement influence and a strong, um, you know, Marky Smith and the fall kind of influence. Um, you know, all those things. I mean, but then again, you've heard a huge fall influence in, in early pavement. So, um, you know, again, it's just, it's another brick. It's another, uh, another, uh, you know, sort of outgrowth of, of a long lineage of this type of guitar music. Uh, the one thing that, you know, really distinguishes this band to me is the, you know, the sort of melding of the two of the male and female dynamic, um, the two main folks in this band, uh, I believe it's Neil Beddens and Melanie St. Pierre grew up together in Sudbury, know each other from there, um, moved to Toronto um, to, you know, to sort of start this band or to, you know, do, to go to uni and then start this band. And um, they feel like they have a long history together. They don't have a huge amount of prior output, but they feel like they have a history together in the sense that it's not an equal division of labor. It's not one of his songs, one of her songs, one of his songs, one yeah. of her songs. It is Absolutely. both of them, you know, really shaping um, every song that they do together. Um, she sings a fair amount of lead, and she's got a great voice, a very strong voice. It reminds me sort of of like when Till Tuesday used to rock a little bit more, you know, when Amy Mann was doing less singer-songwritery stuff and doing more um, band um uh, more up-tempo band stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not even the tenor of her voice that reminds me of Amy Man. It's a sort of confidence and articulation and just an ability to project really well. She's a really, really talented singer. He's a very good deliverer of a song. They sing well together. They back each other up in both cases when either singing lead. I, I really like the interplay on this and um you know highly recommend it it's i think it's a really accomplished uh for you know their early output it, it feels very confident and very accomplished what's till tuesday that was amy man's <laughs> amy man's 80s band <laughs> oh. it was uh i think proto martyr these guys sound a little bit like with a much more poppy sound and, and then she brings in like that dreamy kind of you know hook hookiness i don't know i mean i i love this record i, I think it's excellent and uh agree with with a lot of what you said but they were a band like a more poppy proto martyr really stuck out right away at first i thought like the first time i heard it i thought it was almost the same guy but when i think of proto martyr um, i think of the fall and i think of sonic youth and yeah no of- totally no you you yeah i mean all of those but i, I it's uh, a little less uh, a little less shouty um a yeah little bit more less jagged yeah maybe like uh <clears throat> to you know preoccupations um but with slightly less you know sort of angular and jagged and um she takes the edges uh, off the thing I unconventional mean. melodies yeah i mean these are these are at their heart still pop songs um very and, much uh, so yeah but no it's it's great stuff so two thumbs up for casper skills <laughs> um and, and thank you thank you definitely Wendy going for, on the for doing that 
Thank you, Wendell, for doing that review in fluent Canadian. Yeah. I know that you uh, you use the yeah. term uni. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. Well, Christian thought till Tuesday was a Canadian phrase, but apparently it was an eighties yeah, eighties exactly. rock band. <laughs> I thought that was like uh, how they would say like two thumbs up in Canadian. <laughs> well, oh, that's still Tuesdays. This group's still Tuesday. <laughs> okay, now we're just making fun of people. <laughs> All right. Siren swag on the jeep. It's not me torn. Protecting no one while they kill for their own killing sport. Stay in Canada, Canadian. so um, and Toronto for that matter, in the, the tightly knit musical world of Toronto, and uh, I'll uh, I'll close it out with always um, and the album Antisocialite and uh, Antisocialites. Sorry, you know this is a band. I think when you you kind of coined this phrase that I like a lot, that sort of came out fully formed um, in 2014 with their their debut, and you know led by Molly Rankin. It's a band that you know. I think kind of like Casper Skulls captures one side of like my musical soft spot. These guys capture the other, which is just very lush sort of 80s influenced pop. I mean, you know, there, there's definitely some power pop in, in this this album. So you have, you know, your sort of like teenage fan club influences and, and, and you know, sort of straight kind of guitar stuff. But there's a lot of like synthy layering of, of, you know, I don't know, like sort of cure or or you know uh new order just a lot of bands sort of dreamy pop music that that m83 that that i really um am always kind of have a soft spot for i know christian and i i think we're talking about this album a while back or i might have mentioned it um you know this one of the songs that i was listening to and and you know the first three songs of this album i think christian you noted are, are just a one two three punch i mean in an undertow yeah, was the, the first single that came out in march the album came out in september um, and that's a full on, you know, sort of 80s influence, great sort of, you know, just perfect hooked pop song, Dreams Tonight, and then into Plimsoul Punks, which is the current single. And, and I think these guys do a nice job of sort of like switching back and forth between a little bit of like garage rock to that kind of songs like Undertow, in, uh, sorry, In Undertow, which are, are very much like synth focused. Um, but, you know, I, 
I just thought this album was a great leap forward. Yeah. It was a, it's a great record and, and solid all the way through. They really uh, reminded me of, uh, you know, I mean, they call a little bit of, of that sort of Bell and Sebastian kind of thing, but they remind, really reminded me a lot of Camera Obscura. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. There's and, just some uh, sweet, blissful pop quality to uh, to some of it, which I, I, I do like. I think it's And I think the wedding thing. present, if you guys have ever, mm-hmm. you know, dove into the wedding present where you can kind of go into that uh, radio department, you know, from, from England, bands that, you know, really... Uh, kind of go back and forth with a little more guitar focus and then and then synth focus as well so um yeah i love this album i go back to it it's like an album i've, I've really had on heavy rotation and it's definitely gearing to to land high on my my top albums of 2017 well cool little backstory to this is you know that i, th- I i'm pretty i think i'm right in saying that she's won grammys before um, yeah the, I she's the daughter of she is the daughter in the the Rankin family band, which is a, a traditional yeah. folk okay. band. Okay. Um, you're right, like not, Celtic, yep. sort of oh. traditional. Yeah, you're. I didn't know that, and I didn't want to say it because I wasn't 100 percent sure. But you're absolutely yeah. right. She's been in. She, I mean, she's literally been on stage since she was like four or five. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, wow, sort of like Very the cool. sort of like the um, another Canadian stalwart family, the Wainwrights. Yes. But I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> anyway, you want to take a, so. a quick listen to something and then come back and, and uh, end this thing? Let's do it. Road here on the bus. Now you're one of us. It was magic To draw our uh, pond to a close, but before we leave, we're going to add a song to the 6,472 10 best songs of all time playlist. Um, we're going to take a pass on what are you listening to since we just took an hour long conversation. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you want to add a, uh, a song to the playlist, Christian? Yeah. Um, I'm going to add. Uh... Let's see. I'm torn between two here. They're both going to make it at some point. 
Um, I think I'm, I'll, I'll do it. I'll go with Deadly Valentine by Charlotte Gainsbourg off her new album, Rest, um, which I think is a, an instant an instant classic and should be put on a playlist next to um, Bonnie and Clyde by her father. Wow. High praise. Cool. Jer? Um, I don't think we've put a Tom Petty song on yet, have we? No. Anyone? Anyone? So. Bueller? Well, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to go with uh, my favorite Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker song, and that's The Waiting. Nice. Good. I was hoping you were going to go there. Well, I'm going... I'm just glad you didn't go to Free Fall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that would be on my least favorite. There's so Tom many Petty good either. ones. There really are so many good there ones. There really are, yeah. yeah. it was a tough one. That, w- that was a toss-up in my head, but the song that I, I constantly just go back Excellent to. Excellent choice. It. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite. Um, well, I'll just talk about... Marky Smith in the fall made me think we don't have a fall song and I'm not even sure if you guys are that familiar with their catalog it's so vast and weird and unruly I'm not. Um, so I'm going to throw Hey Luciani on by the fall and we're going to call nice. it a day alright alright thanks good talking to you guys we'll, come, we'll be back next week I'm Wyndham Lewis on behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis thank you very much for listening to the Brother 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 podcast Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.